This melon is for... Display purpose only. What is this melon for? It is for display purpose only. <laughs> <laughs> Season 5, episode 22. Welcome to Lug Radio. Welcome to Lug Radio. Yes, it's the last show. It is well, the last king, show. Not the last show. <laughs> it's the last it show. It is the last ordinary show. Studio and then Lug show. Radio Live, a completely different entity, next weekend. Yeah, it's the last ordinary show, and I'll convince you of this, and you'll come around at the end of the show. But anyway, <laughs> um, it is the last, uh, last awesome, ordinary yeah. episode of Lug Radio. I'm John O'Bacon. I'm Stuart Langridge. I'm Adam Sweets. I'm Chris Proctor. And we're not Hash Lug Radio. Welcome to Lug Radio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who else are we not? <laughs> uh, the Linux Link Tech Show, the Linux Action Show, um, and Rich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Disappointingly. I'm going to say, I, I must confess, we always said um, right from the beginning, yeah, like Radio, it's not about making money or anything, it's about just us talking about what we'll be talking about anyway, but... It would have been nice to make some money out of the bloody <laughs> thing. It, it was quite four years. Oh, in. It was quite for the love. It's quite epically not about making money. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, Chris, if we're in it for the love, we didn't get a lot of that either. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to say, pretty short on the love front as well. To be honest with you, apart from the two of you, obviously. Not sure I, I, met, I met Jenny. Be- I met Jenny before the show. I never got any love afterwards. <laughs> we did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. Thank you. That's deeply, deeply hard. Why well, she kept giving me biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Adam's mum. Oh, it. sorry, I'm missing <laughs> mixing them up. Uh, I'm fucking speechless. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, You're fucking my mum right. and my girlfriend. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> Um, we're going to talk when we get into trouble. By the way, <laughs> this is why segments like this are why we're going to talk on today's show about um, about the kind of the way information has become more easily accessible and whether that's a good thing. Um, you know, we think people like Google being able to make uh, mapping data and stuff like that available and find out where people live. So, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We will discuss. I've only got 140 characters to say. We're going to talk about Twitter. Um, we're going to discuss whether pundits should just fuck off, whether we're pundits, and whether we should just fuck off, which is pretty <laughs> ironic, really. <laughs> what, uh, Matthew P. Ravel, what else are we talking about? <laughs> I'm a little bit tall for Matt. Um, He's Chris P. Bacon. I don't know. You, you don't know. <laughs> hey. I'd say you're his type. <laughs> Very good. <generous. laughs> Thank you. That was actually no. quite swift. You've got to get one good joke in in four years of recording. <laughs> we have many, 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 many emails, and we've done a ton of boil them all down to a few dozens. I've got to point out, right, mm. in advance of the email segment, someone emailed in to say one of their favourite episodes of the show was the bit where I was going on about the uh, amalgamated Bournemouth, uh, Burton-upon-Trent, Thames and Portsmouth lug, the butt plug. <laughs> we never mentioned that, so I thought I'd bring it up now. You're determined to get as much juice out of that joke as plank. The butt plug. Yeah, so funny, I told it twice. Excellent, and, and also we've got Laura and Tony here yes. filming the show. Say hello, show. guys. We, we, we have talked a lot. We've got, no, 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 say hello, louder. Hello. Louder. Hello. That was Tony and Laura. Not necessarily in that order. Um, <laughs> we, we, we talked for ages. People said, you should video the show, and, uh, and we just never got round to it. Didn't, didn't we video we did, it once? We set it up on my washing machine up there once. And then, like many Lugarito endeavours, 
nothing really happened with the <laughs> I imagine it's a lot of swearing and just the tops of people's heads or something. Well, we were worrying about, you know, with, you know, we're stopping the show and everything and we thought, well, kind of the popularity's waning, no one cares about the show anymore. So we were actually thinking about releasing a sex tape. It worked for Paris Hilton, so... Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know... Um, Absolutely. Oh, that- Act was going to be the socket side of the partnership. Um, <laughs> the socket side of the partnership. Uh, Adam was going to be the... Um, no. The other- <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, pe- people who are just listening to this and aren't seeing the video missed the bit where we had to make Adam sit on a box earlier to get him into shot. <laughs> Sadly, I have to admit, I did actually have to change chairs. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, you only just saw my hair. It was a terrible, terrible crisis for short people everywhere. <laughs> but even when he was sat very low down, you know, he was yep. still one of the crew. He, w- he was going to help pay for the pizza earlier, but it turned out he was a bit short. But I'm fucking Ah, he's short and sweet. So, okay, okay. Welcome to, welcome to uh, A Thousand and One Joke Book. Uh, <laughs> we're we're going to carry on, shall we? Yep, let's get on with the show. There is a lug radio tradition um, among the four of us when we're trying to work out what goes on the show, where... We'll think up a segment, Jono will hate it, then we'll give it a stupid name, and then he'll do it. You may have noticed <laughs> over, the, over the last hundred or so this shows... This is true, unfortunately. Ooh, testy. A couple of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Jono's interesting proposed segment about unit tests <laughs> was no good until it was proposed to call it Ooh, testy, <laughs> at which point he was all over the idea and we refused. Anyway, um, we've been wanting to talk about uh, pundits for a while, whether they, uh, whether they provide a valuable service to to the community, to the world, whatever. And we never got anywhere with it until we decided to call it Why Don't Pundits Fuck Off? Are We Pundits? Why Don't We Fuck Off? Now, here's the data point. Yep. Well, no, the interesting point about this is now now we are fucking off. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk talk about this. Yeah. That's not answered the question, though. Are we pundits? (laughs) Are we pundits? Should we fuck off? Yes. I think the the, 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 the key point is Why Don't Pundits Fuck Off? Well, the first question is Are We Pundits? Yes. Essentially, we talk about stuff where we have a a, <laughs> no wor- a, a a working or little knowledge of it, so we're not experts in the area, but we give opinions on big picture stuff anyway. That makes us pundits, by definition. Now, how would we define a pundit? Because in my mind, a pundit is somebody who um, kind of wants to sound authoritative on the subject. Whereas I don't necessarily think that we try to sort sound authoritative on the subject. So, so you're starting with a deliberately pejorative description of them. In a nutshell, in, yes. So, so someone who is actually authoritative about a subject isn't a pundit. No, I'd say no. I think I'd say that's an advisor. I'd say a, a, a pundit is somebody who um, is typically in the business of sounding authoritative about a subject with not necessarily being a member of that. I think... Yeah, by, by not offering any so. direct input into the projects yeah. that they're particularly talking about, I think. It should be noted, incidentally, in this segment that we've come to a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to name pundits. No, because we think it's a bit rough. This segment is deliberately starting out from a bit of a negative <laughs> A little bit, perhaps, yes, you know. So you're essentially saying that your complaint is with people who. Uh, pontificate about a subject without a great deal of knowledge. Yeah, now we're in. But we could be backing ourselves into a bit of a corner here. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'd like to. I'd like to actually call out one specific pundit, and that's <laughs> uh, at one point, and that's myself. Because for a while, when particularly when I was writing my O'Reilly blog, I kind of was seduced by the concept of punditry, and it, and then after a little while, I kind of thought, well, 
It's not really adding any particular value to the to the world, is it? Like going on there and writing these long drawn out intellectualized arguments about stuff, um, and and I kind of, that's part of the reason why my view of pundits has changed a little bit is that I don't think they but necessarily the, the, the benefit that pundits bring is they they because they don't know yeah the subject intimately they are able to step back and see it from a bit more distance and a bit more, add a bit more kind of I don't think there's anything wrong with asking questions. I think yeah, but, but I mean talking about. Kind of because you don't know the nitty gritty of why something doesn't work in a particular way, you can mm. step back and say, "Is this not wrong?" <laughs> you know, and, and, and but it's it's that to me is not the issue. The issue is when you when someone's trying to sound authoritative on, I should be listened to because of who I am, kind of thing. Like to me, punditry is kind of crosses over any boundaries of 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 any particular reputation. So, for example, a good example, right in the GNOME community, you know, with Guadalajara happening recently, it's on a lot of our minds, right? Havoc Pennington well-renowned, right? Yeah. Now, he's not as actively involved in Gnome upstream as he used to be, as far as I'm aware. I don't know what he's doing with Little. Little, Okay? Yeah. But mm. um, he's well-respected in that area. But Havoc wouldn't go and write a long, rambling blog entry about how, um, you know, as, um, as an example, uh, I don't know, something to do with the web is working, Right? Like the semantic web as an example. He wouldn't necessarily say, you know, because of my reputation, because of who I am, you should listen to me and this is how it works. So, so the problem is not people writing about it, it's people expecting that they'll be listened to even though they don't know anything about the subject just because of who they are. Now that's... I think you're denying people the right to have opinions. Right? Yeah. I'm not. I, no, I, I mean, should... anyone's got the right to have an opinion, but what I'm saying They're is... just not allowed to tell anyone about it. <laughs> no, anybody's got the right... <laughs> Unless to have an... they're an expert. Anybody's got the right to have an opinion, but I'm just... It's like, I'm just wondering whether people should... You know, it's fine if people want to do this. I have a certain amount of cynicism about it. That doesn't mean that other people shouldn't be able to listen to these people. See, I, I think it's valuable, not um, Chris's point about how taking an outsider view of the thing is important, but the, to me yeah. the most important point is that the people I read who are pundits, even by your definition, Jono, um, the skill they bring to it is that of writing. Whereas um, experts in the project, whatever uh, these different projects are, are not necessarily experts in writing about it, in communicating about the project. That's a genuine skill that's in true. itself, which people Maybe have don't have. I mean, that, that's very true. about these things because he doesn't, he can't write. But well, no, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, to, I don't know. to, to, to take it. one of the reasons that uh, I mean, Havoc's to uh, take your example of Havoc, uh, he was well respected because of all the, the the code he wrote and things. But a lot of what he did was. Um, uh, a lot of what he did that got him noticed was articulate himself yeah, very yeah. well. Yeah, so I was having difficulty articulating myself there. <laughs> but yes, I'm very meta. <laughs> yeah, well, isn't it? Very. But but that's the point. Being able to write about a problem can deliver new perspectives on it that you wouldn't necessarily get from someone who's actually I guess, involved. In I guess a thing. lot of it depends on how you classify a pundit. So, for example, if, if Havoc was to... Havoc perused about online desktops, right? Yeah. And I, I don't put Havoc into the category of a pundit, you know, because... I, he doesn't. I don't know what my criteria is, but he doesn't really satisfy that the criteria for being a pundit because he's he's. I guess it's probably because he's well respected in that thing. And if if Havoc was to, as a regularity, write about a wide variety of diverse subjects and propose, you know, and essentially propose, you know, ways in which things should should work and 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 try and sound authoritative, I guess I might put him more into the category of a pundit. See, sorry, for me, the, the issue is really is how you break down what a pundit is. I think the example that we were talking about when we were discussing this segment was a particular scenario where, when one kind of master of his field uh, posted something 
or his company did something, I forget exactly. And then another kind of master of his field uh, uh, posted a thing in, in response to this. And unfortunately for him, as he later acknowledged, he was factually inaccurate. And then somebody else, a third party came along and rather than kind of being, say, what you do is being an advocate, he was basically just commentating and it essentially uh, fanned the flames over this yeah, the inaccuracy, yeah. uh, which into the wider world looked like a bit of a blow-up, and where that, that actually wasn't the case, and the two guys that made the original post uh, agreed mm. and counter-argued and came to a that's, conclusion. That's way too generic, that names on it. But, well, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, I, mean, I'm, I'm t- I don't have to name names, because I, I read Cringely. There's Twinsley's yeah. blog and uh, Twinsley's stuff, and I think it's quite interesting. Not necessarily because he's right, because most of the time he isn't, but because he kind of takes this view of all these different things that happen in the IT world and trying to draw them together into a completely spurious theory. But, um, but it's the fact that he, he does that, and it makes you think, kind of. The thing this I is the benefit he's bringing. It's not that he's right, it's just he's making you think about yeah. how different things tie together. The thing I think is interesting about Cringely, because, uh, I mean... It's interesting because all of these, thinking about it, each of these different people that we typically associate as being pundits are actually very, very different in their yeah, own category. That's true. And I get a lot, I guess a lot of it is, is how convincing that person sounds. Because cringely to me, he's a pundit, but he's a, a fairly convincing pundit. Because Cringely's actually been relatively right about a lot of stuff. And another person who's a bit like that, I'd say, is Joel Spolsky. Like, if we're talking about good pundits. Yeah. Joel Spolsky's remarkably switched on. And Cringely is an interesting guy to a large degree. I mean, a lot of the stuff, I don't tend to read his stuff so much because I just don't have time to read it because, you know, yeah. he writes a lot and he writes very regularly. And, yeah. But I guess the thing is, is to me, it's like um, when some people, and it's probably a very, very small amount of people who are basically out there to sound convincing about a subject and to, to sound authoritative about a subject because of... Been because of them having a, necessarily a reputation in other areas. Like everybody who's a pundit has got a reputation for something. People don't come from nowhere and and talk about stuff. And, you know, these, it's not as if these people are just randoms who've never achieved anything. But I think it's when some someone's let's say let's say using Havoc as an example. Let's say he did have a, a, a significant amount of achievement in the GNOME desktop, and then he decided that he was going to instead of actually. Um, working on specific things and achieving certain things in different projects, he was going to throw all that away and turn his life to um, utilizing his previous reputation to gain respect in other parts of the world where, there, where there's not necessarily any reasoning for that. And so, that's, I think that's my slight cynicism, is that some people can do that. Some people just cross, uh, cross across the board and some people sound convincing and, and they can bring that kind of knowledge all over the place. Uh, but some people, I'm not entirely sure they can. They can. So somebody who's say bringing their reputation as say, a community manager for a leading uh, Linux distribution. I, I absolutely don't fall into the category as, as being believable in various things. If I was to go and, and <laughs> rant and rave about you know programming or rant and rave about welcome to Lograve, web stuff, yeah. you know, I guess. But, big, but I don't put yeah. I don't classify as as pundits. I classify as more as journalists. I guess for me, really, the big issue about whether you should fuck off or not is whether your impact obviously is positive or negative. And the case scenario I was talking about, the 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 end product was negative. Yeah, I, I think generally uh, you as an advocate or you as a community manager, your impact, many would disagree, mm. but your impact is generally positive. Right. The problem right. with that, though, is that how do you judge whether, yeah, if you write a piece of punditry, how are you going to judge whether the impact of that is positive or negative until you've actually put it out there and had the effect, in which case you should, probably shouldn't have done it. You which, know? Which, is exactly, kind of like which, which is exactly the point. In exactly the same way, um, if 
if I were to start writing about uh, something I don't particularly know a lot about at the moment, um, then I wouldn't be authoritative about that at that point. But I've got to do the writing and get involved in order to become authoritative. So you've got a chicken and egg Alternatively, you actually do something to do with that subject to get authoritative. Why? What, why? This is a meritocracy. Why should it's you... Ha- why this is the way open source works. You no. may be familiar with it. No, it isn't. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Though. It is a meritocracy. No, it, it just isn't, though. Right? That's, that's the whole point of writing about things. We've spent 105 shows talking about things in which we're not experts because the opinions of people who are new to a subject are in themselves interesting. But the, the reason why I don't put it in the category of pundits is that we're not going out there to tell people that our opinion is right. All we're doing is we're having a conversation. Neither's anybody to, else. To most pundits. I disagree. Say I'd, say, like. I'd say that the category of a pundit is somebody who goes out there who's basically shaping their argument in, in such a way that they, they believe that they are genuinely right about a subject. Like, when we talk about stuff, we'll believe that we're right in our, in our own. Like, if, we, if you and I have a discussion about editors, right? Yeah. And you're going on about G-Edit, and I'm going on about Nano as an example, right? You are not saying to the entire world that... You, you're not, you're not going to say that you know, I'm absolutely the, the, you know, the authority on editors. You're just expressing your opinion. In our discussion, you're, you're claiming that you're right between you and I, but in the wider world, you're not claiming that you're right. So your problem is not actually with pundits at all, it's just with people who are arrogant. It's got nothing to, it's got nothing to do with pundits or not. You can, anyone who expresses an opinion about something and doesn't acknowledge the possibility that they might be wrong, that's your problem. Uh, it's got, not got anything to do with punditry. I think, I, no, I think, I think that it's a case of, I don't mind someone being arrogant if they know what they're talking about. Then they're not being arrogant. Like then. you, if you like, <laughs> that's not arrogance. Yes, if, it is. If, you, you can be, if just because someone like let's say let's use an example. If you're actually right, it's not arrogant to say that you are right. I don't know if I should be having a discussion about the concept of arrogance with somebody who's in himself <laughs> fucking arrogant, right? Somebody who had a conversation in my sunroom and said, "Well, I don't see anything wrong with being arrogant because I'm right all the time." Yes. If I, if I you said, are aware that that's a bad thing. If I said that the sun exists and you said no, should I say, well, I should acknowledge the possibility of alternative opinions. Or I should say, no, I'm actually right and you are wrong. Another that's classic not, that's not analogy. That's, yeah. that's not arrogance. Okay, Napoleon and Stalin, let's move on. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> so the po- I'm just so. picturing him in a Napoleon hat. <laughs> I, li- I need, Nap- I need a Napoleon hat. I could tuck my hand into my shirt, but it's a t-shirt, so it doesn't work. <laughs> need, um, a big, need a big shirt. Okay, okay, so back to the original question. Yes. Then you're defining pundits as people who give an opinion which they are not qualified to give, and then expect people to listen and believe it anyway. I... Is there anyone in the world who would not think that people like that should shut up? Does anyone think that's a good idea? This is my point. Is this is my point? Is that. I personally... But it's, it's nothing to argue about. This is my point, is that <laughs> I, 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 I personally think it's a bad thing, right? But a lot of people... But the, who would I, think it's a good thing? Well, the clear... Don't I just stab people in the face for no me. reason. Should they be stopped? I don't think <laughs> it's a bad thing for people to have opinions on stuff they don't necessarily know a lot about and to express those opinions. I think that... The, I, no one's I denying necess- that. No one's denying that. But what we're talking about... Or read it or be interested. The key but, thing at know. the end of what Act just said, though, is it, the thing is, people having opinions, once again, to clarify, everyone mm. has believed that having opinions is a good thing. Yeah. Right? We're on fucking Lug Radio. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we can't really deny that. <laughs> no, okay? Point. The point is, 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 the, is the expecting other people to... to is, is, the, is expecting other people to think that they sound authoritative and to become authoritative on the subject. That's the thing. And Ak, I completely agree with you that it's clearly a bad thing. But these well, people exist and people listen to them and they have an impact in the industry. 
That's the thing that concerns me. Like, clearly people do think that it's, it's acceptable because these people exist. Like, if these people didn't exist, then there'd be a random guy stood on a box in London, right? Shouting out to people in Speaker's Corner, right? Right. Now, my point is that... Not following your analogy here. My point, well, my point is, is that, like, people can go to, to, and stand on a box anywhere in the world and have opinions and shout about them, but it doesn't necessarily mean people, people are going to listen to them. Yes. But a lot of these people are very well respected. So this is the reason why I think it's not such a good thing. Like, like th- it's not fair to say that anybody with an opinion or a strongly worded opinion is a pundit. Like, I wouldn't say you're a pundit. You have very strong opinions about a lot of things, but you're not a pundit. Okay. I'd say you're arrogant. I, I would <laughs> right. concur. But, you know, you think I, that's a good thing, I think the, the, the thing with you, Ak, is that you normally present your case, normally present your case uh, from uh, technical fact. I would say, you've assessed the situation. Not always. Are you on about the same person? (laughs) No, no, admittedly, generally, in most cases... I'm being abused. I'm standing up for you. In general, you are outrageously opinionated. (laughs) But generally, when you really argue the toss about something, particularly technically, anyway, you have looked at the options, you've assessed the situation, and you've decided clearly that this is the way forward, and that is the right way. Let me just turn the mic down. Am I incredibly loud? No, no, no. You turn the act down. <laughs> Be it! <laughs> <laughs> Thank I'm you. with Jono on this one. <laughs> there are so okay. many examples, right? And I'm not going to say... Yes, there I'm are. not going to suggest that I'm any different, right? There's so many examples where Ag's be like, that's fucking terrible, blah, 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 blah. And then actually when he looks at the details, he's like, actually, you know, like, come uh, <clears throat> on, oh, no. <laughs> See, I don't yeah. have a problem with that, though. You have a really strong opinion on something. You express it. And, okay, completely wrong most of the time. But that's... Yeah. But then, no, I, I was then prepared to say, so, oh, hang on, but, I used to say this, and now, I'm, now and, I think and I'm wrong. And that's the thing. I don't no, think I don't have a anything with wrong with that. There's nothing wrong no, with having an opinion that, and learning about it and refining yeah, your viewpoint. Yeah, in that particular case, if you take Mono as the case, yeah. then I think your uh, worries were perfectly justified at the time. But the difference is, and this is the key point, is that Ak, at no point through those discussions about Mono... Do I, I don't believe at any point you tried, you tried to say, this is my opinion, I believe that people should respect me for my opinion because of who I am. You didn't do that, you just no, expressed your agreed. opinion on a radio show, right? And that's what makes you not a pundit. Okay, I mean, we've, we, we've considerably narrowed the definition of pundit from what I think people would have thought we were talking about yeah. when we started here. This is the point. So we've narrowed it down to you. a bunch of people One guy. We've narrowed down punditry to speaking authoritatively about things on the record and expecting people to listen even though you don't have the requisite authority. Yes. Okay? Well, I think nobody thinks that that's a good thing. But Nobody. Is, but this is clear that <laughs> they, some people do. Otherwise, these people wouldn't have the blog. Well, I don't think most pundits do that. that. I think that's the thing. For I don't me, think the, that is a description of most pundits. For me, no. this is the point that we were drilling down towards, I think. These are the people who should just fuck off. And there are people out there that are very well respected and perhaps shouldn't be. I mean, there's some people out there who have an unnatural, and I, to a degree, put cringe in this category, who have an unnatural, um, and I, you, you're going to hate this word, right? <laughs> Get ready. Bring it on. Symbiotic. Oh, my God. I know, I know, right? I want to hear hear the rest of the sentence to know whether you actually know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's somebody... I think there's some people... I think there's some people who have... Probably a better way of describing it. Some people who have, like, an ebb and a flow of how... With how the IT industry works. They just seem to know how it works and how it flows, right? And they have a means of looking ahead five years or ten years and really understanding how it works. And these people are rare. 
And they're the kind of people that you do want their opinions, you do want their perspective. And I believe that Cringely is pretty much one of them. Uh, he's wrong a lot of the time, but I think in many mm. cases, Cringely's got a pretty switched on way of doing things. That's perfectly fine. And I'd say he's an exception as well, because he's somebody who is out and out a pundit. But his punditry, or he's a commentator rather, but he's developed a reputation because of that. I'd say that's... To, uh, so, so, the, so the difference between a, a commentator and a pundit, by your definition, is that commentators are right and pundits are No, aren't. no, 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 no. I'd say that... <laughs> that sounds a lot... Uh, lo- <laughs> to be honest with you, if Cringely was wrong all the time, you'd think he was a pundit and you'd hate him and think he should shut up. No, no, the no. The only no. thing which saves no. him from the pit Listen, of doom is no. that he's right sometimes. Listen, no, no. This is what the word no means, right? No, that's not what I think. I think that the difference with, with Cringely is I don't think Cringely has so much of a self-righteous you should listen to me. Oh! Have you read any of his fucking I knew you were going to disagree with that. <laughs> I knew you were going to disagree with that. And if you take, if your perspective is that Cringely is like, yeah, you should listen to me, this is exactly the way it's going to work. Because I'm blah, Robert X Cringely. Right? Then, I, I don't, then, I don't then he'd, mind he'd be a pundit in your category. Yeah. I, the point is I don't mind it. Because I think that if people are uncritically accepting what's written down and saying, well, that's true because this person says it and they've got a reputation, then they need to develop some better critical faculties. You know, this is interesting. You need to know how to to listen to something someone said and then analyse it for whether it's likely to be right or not. It's interesting because in every single occurrence, like we we, we said earlier on that this is is something that's been on our ideas wiki for quite a long time, for years, right? And... um, Every single time we talk about pundits, you have a very negative view of it, and you don't seem to be expressing the same view that you've expressed off air. <laughs> the re- you've, you've always you've always said, ah, oh, what the fuck, you know, they they just come in here and they have all this opinion, and it's completely good lord. It's, yeah, good lord, it's fucking pointless and it's useless. And where the hell do they get off talking about this kind of shit? And admittedly, we're talking about specific cases in many in, in many situations. Mainly because we're talking about specific cases, but and, we're, and, we're, and we're not naming n- names. N- now yet. you're hanging out with your new web t- two point zero friends. Um, is is this part of the change? <laughs> as well yeah that, absolutely that's what it is yeah <laughs> Pre- precisely yeah no twittering and yeah uh, I've, I've got a twitter account so now all the critical faculties in my brain have gone away that's how it works but in Axe's defense when he originally evaluated twitter he looked into all of the technical you know oh fuck off <laughs> i did and and didn't like it for precisely that reason and then sat down and actually thought why don't i like you it? know twitter is but we'll talk about it. that later yeah we should talk about that because yeah. that is something that is an interesting subject in itself yeah it is I mean, I I don't think I agree with you on my opinion on pundits. I think I think people. Imagine <gasps> <gasps> my surprise. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what could I tell you? I, I I don't think it's like that. So I mean, to draw this to a conclusion, then um, be a wise idea. Are we pundits? Do you think? I don't think so. See, I don't think we are. For I the reason, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny you should say that actually. But um, I mean. I don't believe that we are pundits by the kind of loose, horribly wrong definition that we've managed to cobble together during this <laughs> segment. <laughs> by the fact that we, I don't believe, and I think most of our listeners perhaps would agree, that we don't represent our views as being authoritative, particularly on the subject. Yeah. We're just I four guys in a room. Sometimes we do, to be honest. Well, yeah, I think, we I, do. I think, I think some, most of our listeners are no better than to take us seriously. I think in se- there's some exceptions where I think we do, but I think in those cases we're in a position where we are authoritative. Like if we talk, if I'm talking about Ubuntu, or Axe talking about web stuff, you're talking about servers, or he's talking about the network block driver, right? <laughs> then <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> then I think that I think that you know. Um, it, it we should do have be, a level of authority. It should be pointed out that Chris knows about other things too, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested by the fact that you've mentioned the network blog driver on the show far more than I ever have. <laughs> you've just increased your count. count no, I'm allowed to three mentions. So. Yeah. No, I mean, he knows about LVM as well. 
So, so should we and, fuck off? <laughs> um, I, I think. I how how about we fuck off right now? Let's let's. Twitter. Bit of a big buzz on the internet right now. I think we'd all agree. Yeah. Yeah. First, explain what it is for those uh, of us who don't. So know. Twitter. Twitter is a. Um, it's a website in which you can type in a... It's basically micro-blogging, is what it's referred to, where you can type in 140 characters, and people, people typically use it to talk about what they're doing at that particular moment in time. Okay. Now, when I first heard about Twitter, I was a bit cynical about it. I thought, why would anyone care about someone you, going and buying a pint of milk or something You were like thinking, that? much like I am at this very moment, that it's a stealing pipe pile of web 2.0 micro cack yeah <laughs> exactly and i that's that was my my kind of viewpoint i'd just like to say the word cack again <laughs> okay okay fine. would you like to talk about poo as well now you're five years old and then maybe the poo button hey eh, adam you're 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 mature by my standards then are you <laughs> slightly slightly off the point here people Back so anyway to the point um, yeah, I, w- I was a bit cynical of it, and and Ak was as well, and yes. I'm assuming you two guys yeah, were, I'm, right? No, I love I'm it, still actually. cynical. <laughs> Have we run out of characters yet? <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd, be, you'd be surprised, first of all, how short 140 characters is, and secondly, how good you get at compressing a thought down into 140 characters. I have the same ability with text messages. Why? Text messages, have, I mean, I think part of the reason it was limited to 140 characters originally was because SMSs back then were limited to 160 characters. Then they invented SMS 2 no. about it's, it's, four years ago. No, if it's you send text messages to a lot of people in, in foreign countries, they, if you send two messages, it'll only send one. Because they're only SMS 1. It's the link between sorry, Twitter and SMS, the fact that it then SMSs all of your friends... About what you're doing. No, you you, you uh, can you can set up Twitter so it um, sends SMSs to you of what your friends are posting, and you can send messages to Twitter over SMS. Anywho, <laughs> yes, sorry. So uh, I'll, we'll I, talk about that in a bit. We were all kind of a bit cynical of things, and I, I, you know, I was certainly one of them. And um, at UDS, uh, Alan Pope, we were having a conversation in the pub one night, and Alan Pope was going on about how great he thinks Twitter is. And he, and he was like saying, go on, go and register an account. I was like, mm. And then he decided, being the, the scholarly gent that he is, to, to register an account in my name and start lying about what I'm doing. <laughs> Things like, I'm going to bed and I'm going to dream about the community, right? All this kind of stuff, okay? So he then made me beg so I could have my identity back. Because, <laughs> you know... You know what, there's a million bastard. people... Well. There's a million people in the world who wish they'd had that idea before he did. I wish I could have done that. I'd have come up with great stuff that you were thinking. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, um, I had this account and I thought, well, I'll see about using it. And I've actually, bizarrely, I found Twitter, I've referred to it earlier on as a bit of an enigma in the fact that it's one of those things that my gut feeling at the time was certainly this is pointless Web 2.0 cack, but actually quite interesting and it's useful in different ways it is it, and i know act's been exactly the same i i have i mean when i first saw it i thought oh, i can't be doing with all these people sitting there talking about all the cool stuff they've done together or whatever and then i started um it, to me it's like you you know in newspapers you'll get a, a little story about a celebrity how they were seen in this bar and that's not actually that interesting you know some minor celebrity goes to a bar not that exciting but it's 
It's actually interesting to read about. I don't know why I find it interesting no, it's not. to read about. Well, exactly. It's I mean, so isn't interesting. Precisely. I, I, I don't care. Not entirely sure, Chris, that I, your viewpoints on what is interesting, what is not interesting. I am in no way expecting <laughs> other people to find it interesting. But I, f- I find it fascinating to just get this sort of drip, 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 day by day um, uh, account of just what people are up to, what they're thinking about, what they're playing around with. I mean, I can see that's interesting if they're doing something interesting or if they're thinking something kind of, you know, interesting. But if, they, if they're going, <laughs> I'm going to get a pint of milk, I'm dreaming of the community, don't care. No, yeah. really. which, yeah. which, which, which is fine. And <laughs> This is the reason I don't have a blog, by the way. So yeah. I don't have anything interesting to, you know... Precisely. I don't so. do anything interesting, <laughs> so I don't force this on people. And you are therefore <laughs> not the use case. And I agree with you. No, you, okay. you. You wouldn't find it good. But I find it really... Interesting. In the same way that I could spend, you know, an hour just chatting to you, Chris, about what you did yesterday, and that'd be quite interesting, just to find out what you've been up to. Even though it's not interesting to the wider world or whatever. Yeah, but that, I mean, it, it's, it's not a conversation. It, fair enough, but John 140 o, characters, not so much. John o, uh, well, you see, that's part of the art of it. Because they're that short, it, it, otherwise it would just be a blog. Did you just say you part know? of the art of Twitter? Yeah, I did. <laughs> a little bit of me just died. I think it's interesting. John o referred to it earlier as very, very, very slow IRC. Which is what it is, you know. It's fascinating. I really do think I, it's I don't think it's anywhere near as fascinating as you think it is. I mean, no, it's... The, I, the, I, the, I agree with you, I don't. Think, I think the thing about it is that it's... Like, a lot of people, when they started using it, were raving about it as if it was this revolutionary thing. I don't think it's that. Ah, well... I think it's, it's, it's an entertainment medium. It's like... It's, it's something that's broadly interesting if you've got nothing to do for a few minutes. Bear, yes. bear in mind, <laughs> there are a couple of other things to bring up about it. Um, the first one is that it's becoming a kind of de facto way for things to communicate across the internet without having to hook up a protocol to do it. So uh, I use uh, Remember the Milk to remember Task, online web application. Being a web um, 2.0 monkey. Now. Being a web 2.0 <laughs> monkey that I am, yeah. And then I use Task, the GNOME application, which talks to Remember the Milk, right? right. Um, now, they use Basecamp as well. No. I think you used Basecamp for a while. No. I had to use it at work, but I don't oh. like it. <laughs> but um, the um, remember the milk people have set up a Twitter bot, so you can send messages to the to your remember the milk account over Twitter, which in itself is not that exciting. But it now means because Twitter accepts messages over SMS, I can add tasks to my task list Right-o. with SMS. I, mean, I see that as interesting. Yeah, it the is. Fact you mean, use this the, to the connect various it's, disparate. It's kind be- of- yeah, it's become a communications protocol. Almost. To be honest with you, if I wanted to set up an application that would allow people to easily access it from a mobile on the move, then uh, to, to, to send it messages, to receive messages back, I'd just set up a Twitter bot and have it all proxied through Twitter. It, but it, that's it, basically just kind of forcing something that isn't really designed for that to do something useful. No, it's not exactly. actually a comment on the fact that Twitter itself is... It's got nothing to do with Twitter, yeah. It's, it's just the fact that you can get information from one thing I mean, to another. The thing, yes. You're talking about Twitter Precis- being precisely. kind of like a one, yeah, very, very slow IRC. I don't see it is. I mean, IRC is kind of, I write something, somebody sends something back. So and that's what happens on Twitter. But you get that on Twitter too. Talk. That's what happens on Twitter. People send messages to each other. Very much a one-way thing. The, it's kind of like, a, I put out that I'm going to buy some milk or, you know, I'm doing something really cool. Taking a shit. And it just pushes it out. It's like, here's a load of information, just push it out into the web and whatever. You and know. and some, sometimes people will comment on it, sometimes they won't. I, I just... The find, one thing, I, the one thing though, which I, I mean, much as I'm trying to be understanding towards Twitter, the one thing which I find um, concerning and, and where I do think it goes into the lands of, um, what's the best way of describing it? 
complete fucking pointlessness. That's seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're guilty of this language. Is when people send but tweets. Complete, fucking, complete fucking, he's guilty of complete fucking pointlessness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's when people send Twitter messages from their mobile phone. Now, see, I think that's, I think that's precisely a good thing because you're disconnected from being on the computer. Why does anyone care? If I'm sitting in front of a computer, I'm going to be writing about how I'm doing a computery thing. You know, by definition, if I'm doing something not computer involved, I'm not in front of a computer. And why does anyone care about that, though? I don't know. I don't know why I care about it. That's like a whole special effort to tell people about buying milk. Yes. Absolutely, and yet I find it fascinating. If I you're don't drinking like yak's milk, why? I can understand it, right? I don't know why I find it interesting. <laughs> Go to but milk, I, but milk I don't. Mountain Gnu. See, in fact, I actually find that more useful than sitting in front of the computer twittering. I mean, Precisely. if you sit there, write a little text message saying, "I you know, I'm doing this," and it gets forwarded basically so all your friends can then see it. It saves yeah. you sending them all a text message I mean, individually. Chris, you could... If ne- you're doing something interesting. I mean, it's the fact that you don't normally... Jono has just written on Twitter, recording Lug Radio. Right, Chris, you can't do that at the moment. No. Because you're not in front of your computer. But you can because you just send it an SMS. That's what it's for. I can't think of anyone who cares that I'm retorting. I can see the novelty value in... That's the thing. I can see the novelty value in... It's just this kind of stream of somebody's consciousness every now and again. And I can see the interest in the fact that being able to do over SMS and kind of remind yourself of things and all this kind of shit is perhaps the earliest usable foundations of the semantic web and it's all going to be a... Really cool in the next couple of years, but I think everyone's going to be bored shit this I mean, in two years. Well, pos- I mean, part of, the, part of the reason I'm interested, as I say, is because of its use as a communications protocol. Whether it's been tricked up to do this, mm. even though it wasn't originally intended to or not, mm. I think it's a really interesting model because there, there are quite a few Twitter alikes, you know, people who've done, tried well, to twatter. see what Twitter has done. <laughs> yeah. There probably is one called Twitter, you know, but. They're all missing something. Um, you, can't, you, you can't do it by SMS, or you can't do, send messages by instant messenger, or, you, or there aren't client, desktop clients written for them, or whatever, because they don't have the critical mass. They're, one of the interesting ones is one called Identical, which is actually open source. Uh, right. It's Afro GPL, uh, so it's open source this, even though it's a web service. Right. You, you know, you know, GPL that plays lounge music. Yes. <laughs> afro, not afro. <laughs> this vision of a guy with a massive afro. Um, uh, which, 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 is, which is interesting. The, the, one of the interesting things about that is that it allows open ID sign-ups. So the point about the open ID sign-up is Alan Pope couldn't have signed up an account as you because he can't use your open ID. Yep. So which would have stopped that, which is nice. Um, um, I, I have a question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was discovered early in the show that... Um, that uh, whenever he has an opinion about something, it's always from a strong technical grounding. Never oh, ever just <laughs> fuck off, will you? Now, no, you're, really, you're, just fuck off. <laughs> your opinions changed about Twitter. You thought it yes. was pointless shite a while back. Yes. What made you change your opinion? Two things, I think. Acting <laughs> <laughs> two things, just shocker. The, the, Movie the, at ten. The, fir- the first thing was this kind of it's a protocol for communication thing, which I had no idea about. I had no idea anyone had built this kind of service on top of it. Um, and, I found, and I thought that was fascinating. When I first I signed up to Remember the Milk to do tasks, like I said, and then noticed you could do this thing over Twitter, and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. And then thought, but I don't like Twitter um, because I find it to be annoying. And like you say, loads of people do microblogging, wank, talking about how they'd been for milk and stuff. And then the second reason was I thought, well, why don't I like this? And I thought, well, it's actually quite interesting. In the same way that uh, if you look at planets, the 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 the, um, mo- the the policy for most planet RSS aggregators, most people who mm. set up a planet, they tend to pull 
every post that someone on that planet writes. Yeah. And logically, you wouldn't think that'd be the case. You'd think Planet Gnome would only have posts about Gnome on it. So everyone would set, everyone who's on Planet Gnome would set up a Gnome category, and Planet Gnome would only aggregate posts from their Gnome category, but it doesn't. And the reason I find Planet Gnome interesting is because you get to find out what the people who you respect as hackers, what they're doing other than just yeah, hacking absolutely. on Gnome. Yeah. And Twitter's just an extension of that. I mean, it, it's... It's a pretty it, big extension, though, isn't no, it? No, it's not, not an not, extension of not that. Not really. Like, I, mean, if yeah, you, I mean, if you blog about something, then you write kind of, you know, 500 words or whatever. You write a significant thing saying... I'm doing this, and yeah, oh, I, I went to see Iron Maiden, and they, they played these tracks, and it was good because yeah, bloody blah, and I met up with so and so, and you write this thing about kind of your experience. Of doing, you don't just write being Iron Maiden. Yeah, you get more context. No, Chris is right. I mean, it's like you get you get more structured. I'd say the the, the level you of do, quality right? content on a blog yeah, is I a mean, lot higher than on Twitter. Yes, but there's there's, there's a, a lot, lot more noise on Twitter. But, 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 but you actually get there, to find there, there out is. not only what they're doing precisely in in sort of technical terms, like walking down the street, going to buy milk. You, but, you find context like why are they doing it? You know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I understand how they feel about doing it. It's all that kind of rubbish. I have no intention of throwing away my RSS reader in order to replace it with Twitter, right? But I think. There's a lot of stuff which people do which aren't worthy of a serious, thoughtful blog post. Right? I, I don't want to annoy Adam here, but the minutiae of people's lives. Um, I actually, honestly, I'm not doing that to piss you off. I, I nearly said the kill word then. <laughs> no, genuinely, I mean, the word away is relevant. I thought that's going to annoy Adam if I say that, isn't it? Um, okay. But finding out that kind of thing, I, I think is interesting. Someone spending, the fact that someone spent. Um, 25 minutes being annoyed about this thing they're trying to work with. Um, if they then solved the problem, you wouldn't ever find out that they were annoyed by it because it's well, not yeah. worthy of a serious thought. For, and, and you have to be much more... That's, you have, you have, you have, you have to try much harder to write blog. up it's, something. I guess at that point it gets a little bit yeah. closer to being like a life recorder. Yes, just exactly. A, 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 as I said, just like this kind of trickling stream of consciousness thing. But most people's lives are just dull, frankly. And I speak as someone who doesn't blog because his life is far too dull to actually blog. I don't about think it. so. I don't I, think I, most we, people's lives are dull. Without, without wishing, without wishing to sound like some kind of starry-eyed starry nut, nutcase, right? <laughs> I think people's lives are full of interesting stuff, full of infinite majesty, and you just don't find out about it. Full I think you don't. Infinite <laughs> majesty. If Laura just puked. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, no, what I, is going on with you, it's right? True. You used to be this cantankerous English arsehole, right? <laughs> and now you've become this starry-eyed, majestic Web 2.0 He'll be joining the other kin next week. He'll be a fucking... <laughs> so, so, sorry, I, 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 so long I, as there's I, other I should... kin 2.0, then we'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, I must revert to the John O way of hating everything. <laughs> That's exactly how you were! <laughs> It used to be, the tables used to be turned. I agree with you. And you spent five years bollocking me about it. <laughs> how, does, how does it feel to be turning into each other? Oh, fucking horrible. <laughs> All I've got to do is go, fuck a pig, can... and then the transformation <laughs> will be complete. <laughs> back on top of it. I actually think that would have been an interesting, just to go back over five years of Twitter to see you gradually change your opinion on things would be quite oh, interesting. Five years from now, <laughs> have a look and see how long it takes before I get... To be of course, you, you wouldn't be able to use it five years ago because you used to love freedom. <laughs> That's why I'm using Identica. Using what? You see, you weren't listening earlier. <laughs> What's Identica? Uh, f uh, the, <laughs> no, twi the Twitter clone that's under the Afro GPL. So actually, you don't use Twitter. Oh, at all. but you go through the Twitter service. Yeah, I, I, which is closed source. I would push from Identica to Twitter. Right. But then I wouldn't be able to follow people on Twitter. Just out of curiosity, when did they open source Remember the Milk? 
Uh, never. Ah. <laughs> ah, what? <laughs> you still hate freedom then? <laughs> uh, yes. Ba-dum bum, it never gets old. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, no, so, sorry. No. Yeah. You, you're right. I hate. I hate freedom because that's because I'm pragmatic. Isn't that your word for hating freedom? Pragmatic. Weren't we talking about this the other day on Skype? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. I'm absolutely. just giving you shit. No, Don't no, worry that, about that, it. That, 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 that's reasonable, actually, because you basically refuse to talk to anyone unless it's over a Skype medium. Now, as far as I can tell. No. Yes. So you don't <laughs> use SMTP, do you? Huh? You don't use SMTP, <laughs> yeah, do you? Isn't that strange. children's TV show with Anton Deck? <laughs> no, that would be email. That thing that you, <laughs> <laughs> that thing that you that don't use. <laughs> I believe we may have descended into randomness. When we start bringing up Anton Deck, I think it may be time to, to, to press the magic stop button. Maybe, maybe no should, kill word. Maybe we should call it a day. Right. Oh. <laughs> uh, Twitter message uh, ending this segment. <laughs> End. One of the things about the internet is obviously it makes information available really, really, really easily yes. to a lot of people. Um, but there's a lot of information that was kind of kind of semi-private before, and things like uh, voter information, yeah, the, the electoral laws in this country are publicly available, but yes. they're really hard to get hold of, um, mm. unless you put them on the internet, and the internet has obviously made them freely available to everybody really easily. There's this... A good thing, or is this? Yeah, it's it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, there was a lot of this information, which was it was genuinely publicly available. If you want to go to the time and effort of getting it, there wasn't anything secret or restricted about it. It's just that getting hold of it was a pain in the ass. Now, because the internet makes information easy, people yeah. people with this kind of info tend to just stick an Excel spreadsheet of it on their website. So the question is really: Do people need to be thinking? responsibly about that or is open access to information always and inherently a good thing I mean, yeah it, it kind of strikes me that um you know even though it was technically available beforehand it was always the fact that it was so hard to find meant that it was a protection against most people getting it you know because most people aren't going to go and find that kind of information like i i think yeah. there's going to be a lot of Security through obscurity. Yeah, essentially which is yeah. exactly what you're describing which it, is bad like it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if there's a significant number of people in this country who uh, who have no idea of the kind of information that's publicly available mm-hmm. like yeah. including us right we've probably probably aspects of our lives that are available that we um have absolutely no idea about it's it's interesting i mean the americans are more used to the there, there was a big shock when uh you know you can punch someone's name into google it'll tell you their address um, people, oh, look, Google are uh, violating my privacy. And Google like, no, but all this information was there before. Anyone could have found it out. Um, it's like um, locksmiths keeping how to pick locks secret because then, you know, the locksmiths could know about it, but then you'd keep it out of the hands of bad guys. But we, Which is what we're, we're describing, the security through obscurity debate, the idea yeah. about full public disclosure of security holes rather than keeping them secret and talking Although- to vendors only. It's exactly the same thing, just played out in a different form. Although what I think what I think is interesting is when you have different technologies coming together to make yeah. certain things, particularly. So, for example, you know the the example of the uh, the the Google being able to type in someone's name and show where they live, and then look at it in Street View. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the Street View thing, and the the, the fact that not only could you plot it on a map, but you could also get directions to that person's house and see their house. On a sat- with satellite imagery, and, I mean, and, and then no doubt go to Frugal and buy a knife. 
And the thing, is, and, and the thing <laughs> is, is that na- naturally you could beforehand. I mean, before that, you could you know you could go and buy a map and you could you could plot the directions yeah. yourself. But that would take a lot more time. And I can imagine that's the concerning aspect. There's there there, there was a thing. Um, you know, uh, you get classified information, actually properly classified by the government information, um, and you get secret and top secret and all that kind yes. of thing. Yeah. Um, there was um an attempt uh in the early nineties, I think it was, to invent a new. This is in America to invent a new classification information the- called sensitive but unclassified, yeah. which was exactly this stuff. Stuff where in itself it's. Not secret, but this if you get it and add it together with loads yeah. of other not secret information, you get some secret. Information. Yeah, this was in the cookie section, uh, which I only read a couple of months yeah. ago. And uh, basically, if somewhere. you can glue enough nonsense, uh, enough non-sensitive information together, you basically got the clues to the, yeah. the yeah. sensitive information. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was an example. Um, I think it was in Texas uh, in the last few weeks, where. Uh, if you work for the Texas state government, then your salary, uh, members of the public are allowed to request what your salary is so they can right. see whether they're getting good value for money off of their state government. Um, so uh, th- they, this is actually the law. They have to publish it um, according to Texas state law. I think it's Texas. Um, and when they invented this law, it was sort of 15 years ago, and the way you got the information was you went down to the Texas courthouse and said, I want the information on this person. Um, now they just say, well, this information was available anyway, so they just stick a spreadsheet on the website. So a lot of the, um, I think it's Houston or somewhere, um, the newspapers have been grabbing that information and saying, look, this is how much this department is spending on wages in total and so on. And when people said, but how can you, how dare you um, reveal this kind of information? They said it was all available anyway. You know, anyone who wanted to do this could have done so. Yeah, so is that necessary? certainly a bad thing then You're I mean it's like if this information was available to anybody who really wanted it then presumably you know if you are a mad stalker then you would find that information exactly. yeah, find the information on you, where people live not, and stuff anyway my, yeah, it's not like you're, you weren't keeping it a secret from the bad guys before you were just keeping it a secret from the ordinary public sunlight, yeah. sunlight's the best disinfectant blah, blah. I mean Jono's point about um, how the very awkwardness of getting the information is a roadblock to yeah. people it's not a roadblock to the people you don't want to have it. It's just a roadblock to the punter. Ordinary people I think like most people, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, it certainly came as a surprise to me about, I don't know, like four or five, six years ago, when I discovered that uh, to, in the UK you have to register on the electoral roll for your... Pro- be registered your property for the voting register, and the voting register is available to companies. Yeah. Yes. Free of charge, I believe. Mm. Uh, and they, that's why you get so much marketing shit through your letterbox. And people can glue bits of information together about you and target stuff at you through your letterbox, not bombs. Absolutely. But, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and the, again, the, the Americans tend to live more in the glare of publicity than we do about this kind of thing. Like In America, you can get crisscross directories, uh, a, a, a thing where you can look up a phone number and find out where it's the phone number for. Really? You, ca- you can't do that in the UK because historically... All the numbers were owned by British Telecom, and British Telecom were lunatics about not letting that kind of information out. So nobody produced a crisscross because that information wasn't mm-hmm. available. But there's nothing just, that would stop you doing it. I mean, you could, if you wanted to, sit down there, type in all the information from the phone book, and then and and, yeah, and, and, and put it on a website. You know? Yeah, you know, well, if you, you were really insane. You, you couldn't stick you couldn't stick it on a website because that's not public information. But it's all published in the phone book, though. That doesn't make it public. I'm, um, pick, uh, oh, you'd have to check. Book, books are published as books. That doesn't make them public information. But but yeah, no, ab- oh, a- a- absolutely. This, it, the thing I think about it is that this is the new world order. You know, we need to get used to the fact that this information's out there. New People just order. haven't adapted. It's another one. Two point zero, Tom. I think as we've said on the oh, show before, okay. 
it's it is a new world order. Google remembers your name. Google. Uh, Google remembers your name. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to set up Google.com to see how many people go there. And, um, <laughs> I don't think I want to go to Google.com. No. I bet it exists actually. <laughs> now that you say that, uh, perhaps it's not the best place to go right now. Um, after yeah, after yeah. the fedora.com problem we had a while back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, it's one of those one of those things that like kind of yeah, it makes you slightly nervous that all this information is available, but what the heck can you do about it? I mean, there's no Do you um, think as you say it's the new world order. It's like it's available and it's going to be available and some nutters going to put it on, you know. I mean, kind of you obviously as the internet has grown and governments and businesses and just people in general have had to adjust to these kinds of things and and how technology has changed the way the world's worked. Some people have had kind of veiled attempts at kind of restricting how this information can flow. Do you think that with with this kind of thing happening, that there needs to be some kind of um, some kind of legislation or some kind of agreement from organisations to not make this kind of available happen? Because something I've thought in the past actually is but that perhaps if we had such legislation, we could call it something like the. The, the Act for Protection of Data or something? <laughs> <laughs> it already exists. That's what the Data Protection I Act mean, is in the UK. I mean, I don't know about outside the but, UK. But, one of, but the Data Protection Registrar, the person who's actually responsible for this kind of thing, uh, is a nutter about making sure that it, uh, people who are data users, uh, companies and whatnot, are careful with that information. But the data, yeah, but the Data Protection Act, I mean, that was in, what, 1985 or something? I, I I think it was been updated. I think. I mean, the data, data, the, the data Protection Act is for the sharing of private data, right? Yes. It's not for the fair use of public data. Yes. So I don't think it that applies. Okay. I'm talking about the yeah. fair yeah. use of public data, which is what we're talking about. Data Protection Act's got nothing to do with po- that. It's uh, highly possible that I mean I haven't really thought about this too much until recently, uh, and it is possible that perhaps we need to rethink the way we hand out information that is already well, what uh, we hand out data. That is currently publicly available. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you said earlier on about how you know um, you can create something that's secret by taking lots of relatively innocent clues and put it together. In the same way that the analogy I used earlier on when we were talking about this off off air was, you know, you can conceivably conceivably go out and buy a bunch of innocent ingredients and put them together to make a bomb. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but the act of actually making that bomb is illegal. Yeah, the I mean, ingredients the, themselves. The thing is, yeah, the ingredients that are lethal because you know they're all kind of really innocent stuff like you know floor cleaner and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, like magic and it's the same with information. It's all these bits of information, like you know the fact that my my name is related to a phone number, is entirely innocent piece of information. And, and it's it, only when you start adding those sort of. I think where it's interesting as well is that traditionally in our kind of world, in our community, then people are very much on the people are largely on the side of. Um, absolute freedom of information in many cases you know like i'd imagine i, I don't want to i don't want to speak yeah. for the you know for the for the EFF or for the open rights group or anything like that but i could imagine that they'll largely be from the perspective of any kind of restrictions on this kind of information being available hmm. would be seen as a seen in a dim view but to me there's I don't know. I, it's what do we think? I mean do we think that it, you know using that kind of analogy of the ingredients in the bomb is that can we reasonably expect to do that in terms of these separate pieces of information. Because Google essentially is that aggregator of... I mean, they're not only just making information available, they're pulling it together, like the, the, the home address and the map thing. The thing that I didn't realise... Data at, mining. I didn't realise at the time, as I said, when I discovered that my information is publicly available on the electoral roll, I didn't realise that I could actually opt out. Uh, I don't think most people do that. realise you can opt out. Yeah. 
And as soon as I realised that it was publicly available and I could opt out, uh, Look Radio Pizza arrives, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're be really subtle about We all felt a disturbance in the force. Um, as soon as I realised that I co- could opt out and my, from having my data publicly available, I opted out. And I think it's perhaps that, that those opportunities need to be uh, more better yeah. communicated. That, 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 I think, is interesting because um, the, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, the underground community. Uh, sort of people who go to 2,600 meetings and whatnot, not pro- right. proper real underground people, but um, that sort of thing. There's always been this, um, this kind of... Um, uh, attitude of you know no you keep this kind of information off the net you find out about opting out things and then opt out of them you you work under a, a, a name that isn't your name and so on you don't want people to make your dogs available and I think a lot of people would have seen them as paranoid and weird 10-15 years ago but you get the impression they foresaw the the glare of sunlight on all data mm. that long ago and were right to do so now if I decided now I'm going to stop myself being appearing on these things I'd find it very difficult to back back out Hmm. Because yeah, I mean, they're already. Um, so I mean, it, 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 it is interesting when, when you talk to um, people who try and avoid this glare of publicity by by operating under a handle when they're on the net, or by not revealing their real name and being very careful about addresses and phone numbers getting out and so on. That maybe they were right all along and they weren't the paranoid lunatics were right we thought along? they were. Or, yeah, it's the fact that all this information is available really that much of a problem. I, I mean, personally don't think so. Uh, it's, it is, as, as you were saying earlier, this is the New World Order, basically, it's going to get out, get used to it. I mean, There's it not is, a lot it, you can do. I, it's I not, so. to, to, take, to take, you your, want to, to you take your bomb analogy, John, I think the people who wanted to make bombs, it wasn't stopping them finding yeah. out how. It was just stopping Adam finding out how to make bombs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but Adam wasn't going to make them anyway. The, yeah. the whole yeah, point I mean, here I is that the, 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 the people you want to keep out of the hands of new anyway it can't hurt to make I it more public because, I, then people, yeah, I mean, because then people learn if, if, if the ordinary shopkeeper learns what these bomb ingredients are and someone comes in and buys all of them from his shop then he can think now hang on i wonder what you're doing the thing Whereas is he'd never have known before I think, I think, you know one, one thing i one thing i find a little worrying is that is that um so uh, you know when i started using the internet i used to use usenet um a reasonable amount yeah and um and you know, I used to have old websites that I made, like my first couple of web pages and stuff like that, and GeoCities and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And I know knew back then that you know, back then, if you made a web page and you took it off and you basically either deleted it or it went yeah. offline or whatever, then back then that was history. You assumed it was gone forever. It was gone. That was the culture no, of the internet record. in yeah. the mid to late nineties. Um, but now we know that. That was all backed up, right? That was that, a lot of that's available on archive.org. Yep. And so the expectations back then and the expectations now are very different. And that to me is that's worrying in itself. Now that's from a hippie kind of all everything should be all freedom of information everything. There's no problem with that. But I think for a lot of people that would be deemed possibly concerning in the same way that um, back then as well using Usenet Usenet always was a bit of a enclosed. Um, community generally uh, populated by relatively technically savvy people. Whereas now, because it's all indexed on Google, anybody can access that kind of information. So back then you could, th- you could re- I mean, this doesn't apply to me, but back then you could reasonably have conversations and act like a dick if you wanted to. And it only be enclosed inside those walls, but now it's all completely indexed. I think indexed. the general principle with the data, current Data Protection Act and the data that is publicly available um, is, it's like the drug laws in many ways. Basically, if you make drugs illegal, 
then you're restricting people's op- uh, the opportunity for drugs to become pervasive in society because it's illegal. Whereas, and like uh, people's personal information, which is already publicly available, to retrieve it, you actually have to either physically or verbally approach somebody and say, "I would like this information, please." Yeah. Whereas, if it's just on the internet, it's so easily obtainable. You're you're lowering the bar to entry, and in effect, like the drug law, you're you're increasing the amount of people who have access to it who could possibly be loonies. But is that not? I, I, I mean, I'm whether, struggling, I'm, I'm, struggling to see why this is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, at some point, you have to trust thing. people not to be dicks, basically. But, but yeah. You yeah, say yeah, this information is there. Please don't do stupid things with it, but there's not a lot I can do to stop you but because the, the information needs to be out there. Yeah, but I think you know? the interesting thing is that when you look at it from the perspective of, and, and I'm casting a very general kind of uh, brush over people who are interested in um, yeah. open rights, but if you typically hear, hear from a lot of people about open rights, they have a, take a very dim view when information that is private is made publicly available, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, So, you know, information which is agreed upon under a set of kind of constraints is then those constraints change and it's made available. And this is exactly what's happening here. Back then, the culture of the internet, there was these constraints and now it's been made, made available see, to everybody. See, I don't think so. so. I, I think, I think it was I think... assumed there were such constraints and there actually weren't. You kind yeah. of went into it with, with an idea in your head that this is all private stuff, really. I mean, no one really thought about it, but I think that it was all public back then. It's just because the public, John Q public, didn't have the technical savvy to get at it, you just assume that they never will. I'm not, and that's not how yeah, it works. But, yeah, but my point, is yeah. that, my point is, is that, rightly or wrongly, I think a lot of people back then were of the view, well, hang on a second, you know, it, it, I, don't th- I think back then, you, you could always see that, you know, the internet and technology was going to move forward and, and, and things would be better indexed and all the rest of it. But I think people, if, if you were to ask people back then about what's available now, I think people would be surprised. I think if people would have said, you know, in 10 years or whatever, you'll be able to type in somebody's name and see that and see their home address yes. with satellite imagery on a map. I think people are like, hang on a fucking second. Yeah. For me, it's all about personal choice. It's up to you to decide whether you're comfortable about this information about you being out there, even though it is already publicly available. And so you, need, you ought to have the choice to choose whether it is publicly available or not. As I said, I opted out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the problem is knowing what information about you is out Just there. very briefly, one thing we have kind of glossed over here is the fact it, there's a cost-benefit analysis here um, because, um, yes, this information being out there uh, potentially allows bad things to happen, but there's lots of good things that can happen too. Mm-hmm. If you look at, say, upmystreet.com, it allows you to um, go and punch in an address and find out how much the houses on that street cost and what kind of yeah, environment yeah. it is, which is really yeah. useful if you're trying to buy things. That's what, if you restrict information so people can't go and find your house, then you restrict the ability of people to get at that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Was, I'm saying, basically, you can't stop this information being out there. You just have to trust people not to be dicks with it. I mean, it's, I don't see what else you can do. So, no emails this week, and it's, so it's the end of the show. That's, huh? not, that's really not the case <laughs> no. at all. No, so I thought not you'd the have case. got this formula by now. <laughs> One or two emails, perhaps. <laughs> yes, just the odd one. Um, uh, who so who's, start, who's starting to read these? I, I believe the closest to the screen ought to read, start reading. That'll be me, then. Speak on, Mr. Bacon. Uh, now, we've had um, something of a deluge <laughs> of, um, <laughs> of wonderful emails from you all regarding the fact that Lug Radio is stopping and we've decided to, um, to, to, to stop the show and uh, pursue our life of 
of heroin. Um, so, Mr. Ben, community hero, um, twice community hero. Yeah. Um, a sentence is rather nice email. He says, Dear large gents, I felt it would be appropriate for me to send one final email before it's all over. This is him pitching for the community hero emeritus <laughs> award in the last show, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people have been blogging about the end of Log Radio, myself included, but I wanted to say one thing that I don't think has been said enough. Thank you. Aww. Thank you for bringing something completely new and completely unsurpassed into the world of Linux and free software Freak. podcasts. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> He's just creepy. He wants another free T-shirt, doesn't he? Uh, thank you for not compromising on your standards. High-quality audio, low-quality humour, lots of swearing. Uh, thank you for introducing hundreds of people to podcasting and to Linux. Well, Ubuntu. Uh, thank you for being fucking funny. Thank you for the chinny raccoon. Oh. Uh, thank you for an expo that wasn't knee-deep in corporate bullshit and didn't cost the world. Thank you for building a community where a Muppet like me can be a hero. Thank you for all the memories, Mr. Ben. That's really oh. nice. He's, he's a community hero for a reason. <laughs> He's a good guy. Because he sucks actually. up to us. Yeah. Well, possibly. Um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, I mean, that was one of the emails that came in that I read, and it actually made me think, wow, actually, this really actually going to be quite a void in my own life as well. Um, do you want me to read the others, or do you want to do them one by one? Well, I mean, they're just... Um, These are uh, just snippets. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people um, have sent us emails uh, either saying, please don't end the show, or saying we thought it was going to I mean, James Howell said, fantastic show, you are my Unix epoch. Which I thought was quite cool. <laughs> We're not entirely sure what that means, but it's tried to. <laughs> right, well, I'm not reading that one because I don't know what his name is. Quack. <laughs> what the fuck is that all about? So, uh, guys, my favourite... Is, lo- isn't that that stuff, the powder, where you make it into a milkshake? Quack. That's Nesquik. Not <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Right, so, uh, guys, my favourite Lug Radio moments. Number one, yes... Whether it can walk or not is another matter. <laughs> Adam's Spanish phrase book. I, learned to th- I listened to that several times and nearly crashed my car laughing. Number two. But it is the same browser. Uh, you might want to turn that down when you mix. Uh, Aquasotic Adventures with the National Lottery and their browser support policy. One of my most memorable moments of Lug Radio Syndrome. Number three. Your shipment of back has clearly arrived. The egoless desktop and the red-faced ginger. Number four. I can't remember what we did in that segment. Uh, you actually nearly oh. turned purple. Oh, did I? <laughs> oh, true. Winner. Uh, number four, the first time I heard your shipment of fail has arrived. Since I test software for a living, it's now my new rallying call. Definitely t-shirt material. Um, while I, we while take complete credit for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the fail blog copied us. <laughs> they did. Yeah. I, I had a look at fail. the fail blog the other day. I nearly died laughing. Yeah, it's comedy. There was, one, there was one about um, sports mascots. Yes, uh, just a video of the sports mascots just absurdly falling. <laughs> the first one, I think, was this mascot chasing somebody up the side of the uh, the stadium and falling while carrying a tray of drinks and slapping them in some girl's face by mistake <laughs> as it fell over. <laughs> you need to bring the emails back. Yeah, so I was just checking that it's actually recording. <laughs> uh, oh, where did that go? Oh, there, there it is. There there. Um, so, number five. N- number five, the first time I heard, then you clearly must hate freedom. <laughs> uh, we bring lots of culture to the open uh, source community. Um, such as the following number six aids out of the blue comment about how he likes to use the use his mirror to look at his bum <laughs> I, I haven't gotten about aid um, commenting on that particular thing so uh, I, aid if you're listening I, I remember personally the moment I saw the show entitled bald at both ends <laughs> I did nearly die laughing number seven boots of the spuds is now a favourite phrase winner number eight the honour bestowed by Jono and Ak with regard to Emacs. Hooray. <laughs> Epic win. 
Uh, number nine, the interview with the creator of Everybody Loves, Loves Eric Raymond. I don't know which was more funny, the comic strip or that Mr. Raymond is as clueless as he is about his own image. <laughs> <laughs> number ten, probably the moments of enjoyment I have yet to get from listening to Jono, Ack, Matt and Sparks in season one. It may seem odd, but I've listened to the shows in reverse chronological order starting with uh, recent episode one, season two. Although the topics aren't newsworthy, the further I venture backwards, the shows are always a joy to listen to. The topics are great and the content is always rewarding. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Ah. Is this, is this actually from... Yeah. Yes, the, the Matt Rivell himself. Yes, this email. an email. He says, uh, just a quick note to say congratulations on four years of inside bullshit and genuinely funny comedy. He says being and present for three of the <laughs> four years. <laughs> yeah, I think he just means three years and then me, yeah. Um, of course, that's not the same since that short bloke left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. What am I saying? Adam's still on the show. Ah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you very much for that. And then let's... let's just not forget this is the the actual Ma- Matthew Ravel that was presenter on this show. Yes, yes, and he's, he's the only man in the world you look down on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's he's also going to be at Lug Radio Live. So Matt fans, um, go to Lug Radio Live on the uh, on the nineteenth and twentieth of July and uh, next weekend, in fact. Um, and you can come and uh, get him to sign autographs. Uh, yeah, we'll, we're even bringing a box for him to stand on. Uh, we've had an email from Kyle. Vandit Mars says, best of luck, Mr. Bacon, in communitizing the community, Mr. Language in hating freedom and being ginger, Mr. Sweet in his probably ludicrously technical and boring business venture, <laughs> and we'll just leave Mr. P alone with his uh, harem of uh, source code. Your indecipherable and interwoven outburst of approximately 85 people talking at once will be sorely missed. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I think. I <laughs> Oh, an email from someone called Dan Fish, which seems implausible. There you go. It says, on a personal note, my son was born a year ago and for long periods had bloody awful colic. He would only sleep in the day if being walked around the streets of South London in his pram. That's terrible. I heard he had a haddock as well. (laughs) Shut up. I found your podcast during this time and listened to it help me while away the time while I walked. The colic naturally settled, and I found myself making excuses to take the pram out to catch up with the old shows. In one sleep-deprived moment, I actually exited the house with the pram, but without my son. (laughs) (laughs) Before social services get involved, his mum was looking after him. Yeah, right, you left your son in Debenhams. Right? (laughs) <laughs> oh, what? No, that's not anybody's name. Apparently so. I've got a read thank, this th- one. Th- 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 thank you, Dan Fish. And uh, also thanks to Mr. Roger Knobfondler. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I not think? <laughs> it's unlikely, isn't it? <laughs> I uh, think it's I unlikely. thought Dan Fish was a bit of a reach, to be honest with you. Roger Knobfondler is just a bridge too far. So, gentlemen and lady, and as Jono has already pointed out off air, that he reckons the lady is me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking delighted. Uh, I was most distressed to hear of the impending demise of your show. I'm an enormous fan. Wow. <laughs> Do you get a crane to lift him out of his house? <laughs> like fucking, what was it? Uh, some dude out of a film's mum. Never mind. Moving on. Uh, so this is just my own world. And we'll probably miss it for a couple of weeks after it finishes. Wow. <laughs> more, more worried about Hashlug Radio. What are those dweebs going to talk about now? <laughs> I particularly enjoyed your segment on the network driver last week. It was most fascinating, particularly about the memcopy and IOCTLs. I also enjoyed that bit where you were funny. <laughs> that was rather Which season was that in? That was rather good, and I laughed and laughed until I stopped. <laughs> 
don't worry about what that other lot say about your show. I don't think you sound like a, at all like Bert and Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly not. Anyway, they swear far, swear far too much and make and most of the time I can't make out what the fuck they're going on about. Oh. Anyway, I have to get back to the hating freed- freedom, so copulator, Roger Knobfodler. Well, thank you, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, the next one is from uh, Christian Home. He was always sending emails. How many? He is. He's not his third or fourth email we've He's the one who's always sending emails no. about how much he loves Emacs. He, he is, is, yes. He is. Um, maybe he's just written an Emacs strip to write emails for him. Hmm. Um, <laughs> when Lugavadia's final breath is taken and all seems lost on the last exhale, what would you see as the Look Radio faithful can do to make a difference in open source? Rearrange those words into a coherent sentence. Sorry, I misread that. But, um, mm. Is that an exercise for the <laughs> Yeah, I'll leave that an exercise for the What would Discuss. you see the Look Radio faithful do to make a difference in open source? Yeah. Christian? That's. Mm. I don't know. What would, we, what would we see the Look Radio faithful do? I can read some more while you think about it. Read yeah. some more while you think about it. Read some more while As the show has progressed, Ak and Jono have often debated on quite a wide variety of topics and probably made listeners think hard on certain subjects. Hmm. Even seeing situations in a different light of perspective, whatever you British say. Apart from all the laughter, heated discussion and musical analogies, what do you want the Lug Radio faithful to remember you by? And what values to act upon when time, times require action? No killing and wearing skin to sabotage something in the name of open source, mind you. Ha! <laughs> Um, Miguel is safe. <laughs> so what I, think, I think more people should kill him. Mate. What would we see the Lug Radio faithful do to encourage use of open source? Well, I guess, as, as we were discussing earlier, if anyone could come up with a single-shot solution to the patent system, that would be quite <laughs> handy. I just think the Lug Radio community need to stick together and just keep doing what they're doing now. Yeah. Talking about stuff. There's, there's a really nice group of people out there who just get on really well and... Interesting things have come about because of it. I mean, Lug Radio wouldn't have got to the point where it's got to now if it wasn't for that group of people. And just because the show's ending. I mean, this is something that we've been talking about because a, a, a yeah. few people have mailed us and said, the forum's going away, the IRC channel going away, you're going to stop mirroring the show. And it's like, no, it's all no, staying online. Absolutely. Uh, we're yeah. going to be stopping doing the show, but that doesn't mean that uh, all the content's going to go away and... And we're absolutely... No, the, we're, we're still going to be in the Lug Radio community. It's yeah, just that you're not going to be getting um, uh, an hour and a half of drivel every two weeks. Um, Might uh, be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, this could actually be a positive move for everybody. I think so. actually I'd like people to actually go out and maybe create their own podcasts or create their own kind of do something. It should also... Yeah, it, if there's eight or ten different podcasts come out of the Lug yeah. Radio community... If 90% of them are trapped, that's still one good one. You know? It should also be noted that a few people emailed us and asked if, um, if, if we could do a Doctor Who and get other people to come and record Lug Radio under the Lug Radio name. To which point, um, we basically exploded. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> We'd like to keep Lug Radio as, as, as the way it has been so far. Yes. You know, it's in the legacy to remain as it is. Conquer, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in terms of doing things, yeah, I mean, stick together as a community, but... Make stuff happen. I mean, think Chris said, do something. Yeah. I Don't really. just sit and wait for other stuff to happen, you know. It's your all science. Lots of yeah. anyone to do what we do, which is quite sappy to admit. Yeah. But, um, it's, you, it's you all who make the difference. Absolutely. I have absolutely. to read the end bit of this, this email, um, which just says, Thanks a fucking bunch for the radio. I will miss my fortnightly, fortnightly dose of Ak, Jono, and Chris, the only sane one of the group. 
and Adam. He <laughs> 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 says that you've got my no, name I, on his I, email. I just wanted to leave it as Chris, the only sane one of the group. Hey. I was actually reading this, trying to work out whether I could be the only sane one of the group, and you were just the guy that was mentioned before me. No, no, no he means me, the sane one of the group. We only got Chris in for the looks, so. Uh, <laughs> God. Um, We've had a mail from Matt Ashton. He says, I have a question about contributing. I've heard your show debate on... Oh, just before we go on then, so that's the collection of... We got loads of other emails from people saying... Yes. Don't end the show. It was... Oh, yeah. And, and we, we read them all and we appreciate it all. Thank you very much, all of you. Yes, thank you. And all the, all the blog entries and stuff as well. And I'm sure... I mean, we've all received a lot of personal email as well mm. uh, from people just saying thanks yeah. for doing it. And, and mainly people saying... Um, you know, all the best with your future endeavours and everything. So, uh, people have been really genuinely nice yeah. about it. It's taken us all by surprise. Yeah, it has. So, to be with you, yes. <laughs> have to think of some worthy endeavours now, don't we? That's the problem. Right. So, now we've finished with the bit where we say um, how everyone else said we were great. Proper emails. On you um, go. Mashton <laughs> says, I have a question about contributing. I have heard your show debate on whether the ability to code or not should qualify you to use open source. But isn't using open source contributing? Every site that is visiting leaves a signature that says you're using open source, and that gives a message to people. Also, my website, I did all, also for my website, I did all of the HTML and graphics using Linux. I used Kate for the HTML and GIMP for the graphics. I also uploaded and edited all of my photos using Digicam, and maybe Picasso for some. www.mattashton.com I came up with the idea and made the site. It's the idea that it's your homepage, Matt. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> Interesting. I uh, had no idea too, actually. That's a new, that's a new one, isn't it? Uh, I think that just by having my website up, I have contributed to open source. Maybe not as openly as some, but for anyone who is curious enough to find out. Cheers. I don't think that just using open source is contributing. It's kind of showing that you're a user, which is a good thing, but I wouldn't necessarily put that in the same... I think he has a fair point about if you visit sites and yeah, you're using Firefox or Tonka or something, it'll then get logged in their logs and they'll look at their usage stats and say, oh, you know, now 25% of people are using open source. It's a pretty pass- that's a reasonable point. It's not a huge contribution. I think it's a pretty passive effort, though, isn't it? I think, I think uh, it's kind of like, is- like saying that you're contrib- contributing to the earth because you breathe oxygen. The, the flip side of it, though, is that um, if you just want to use it, you don't have to contribute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Don't don't feel like you're you're somehow a, a lesser person because you have not contributed to a project. If if you don't want to contribute, what uh, what you want to do is just use things, be happy, and get on with stuff. Then that's fine, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, don't, I think it's yeah. I, I'd say that it's not really a contribution, but it's certainly something you should be doing. I mean, it's 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 something that helps the cause, but it's probably not necessarily in the same. <laughs> it helps the cause. Well, but it isn't does. a contribution. I don't think. It's, I think a contribution is kind of like a con- concerted effort to do something. Whereas I don't think using open source is a concerted he's, effort. He's making a concerted effort to use open source for the stuff mm-hmm. that he's doing. Well, he did all the graphics in the GIMP. He wrote the stuff on Linux in Kate. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd, that's just I'd using say, software. I mean, it just says at the beginning about kind of coding. You don't have to be coding. Just using it. Can be yeah. a contribution I guess it is. if you then take it further. I mean, if you write up kind of how he did all of this stuff, that, that would then be, that would be that a very would good be. contribution. Yeah, I mean, he wrote it up that definitely. And if yeah. his website's talking about open source, and that's to some extent, it's not, to some extent, not, he has, to coding, yeah, but, some extent he has written it up. I mean, he's written that down, sent it to us. Yeah, now that's, so, a, con- now that's a contribution. Yeah, that thing you've written down there, Matt, stick it on mattashton.com. Yeah, it might already be there. It might already be there. Should we go and have a look at his website? Yeah, go and have a look at his website, <laughs> mattashton.com. This be good. Well, it might be shit. A moment while we uh, <laughs> find a <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt Ashton, I 
shton.com. Terrific goat porn. <laughs> oh, it plays music. <laughs> I, I imagine Matt Astrom wasn't expecting this bit. <laughs> well, you know. This is where we find it. It's fucking... This is where we play Matt... This is where we play Matt Ashton's patented music. Copyrighted <laughs> so music. Matt, um, I hope he's got the license for this piece of music. Biography. We've just outed a guy for robbing music on radio. How was that him? Cool bed. <laughs> Sorry, we're looking... This is so unvisual. Yeah, it is. We're, 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 we're flicking through Matt Linked. Ashton's website. Links. Who does he link to? Uh, Matt Ashton's MySpace. Linuxmusicians.com. Linux, Ear music. Linux musicians. I'm assuming this is him playing. Ah, well, in that case, we apologise sincerely, and yes, you are, of course, indeed allowed to use this music. <laughs> Good man, Matt Ashton. No, that's cool. So he did. He did. Um, he put together that site, built it all on Linux. So nice one. Um, stick something on there about how you did that. Yeah. Right. So, pew pew. Ian, McG- me, Ian McHugh, Cuthbert Dibble, and Grub writes in. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my email, I just wanted to say that. Oh, right, okay. Uh, I'd say, hey guys, as a cynical sysadmin, I feel the need to point out that it's very simplistic to argue that sysadmins suffer from cynicism of brands. It's true that for some there is one true way and everything else is rubbish, but these people aren't the majority. Many sysadmins I know would be open to trying something new if there was evidence of a gain for all the effort. As a sysadmin, you've invested a lot of time and effort into becoming very familiar with the quirks of particular distributions and tools. You may even have built up an internal documentation base for them, and you're loath to spend time, effort, and possibly money evaluating something different when you don't have upfront indications they'll be any better. In my case, I look after a variety of standalone and clustered servers running Debian, um, SUSE, Linux Enterprise Server, and Red Hat, adding up to over 500 machines. The last thing I want to do is to introduce something uh, which is an extra management overhead into the mix without a good reason. Yep. Also, you run into two other important factors. Due to the longer-term enterprise acceptance of Red Hat and SUS Linux, they've become a requirement for many major ISV packages and third-party support programs. Yeah. Ideally, I'd run Debian on everything, but it's a non-run on some of my freedom-hating systems. In addition, they've become part of that magical best-practice IT management formula where innovative, well-engineered solutions are replaced by copying people who manage not fuck-up. Uh, remember that ultimately for a lot of sysadmins it's a case of culpability, not responsibility. And when the company email system fails, it'll be their spuds wedged in the boss's door. Which I think is entirely true. That last bit. That's, yeah. that, I think he makes a lot of other points. Now, you see, that, that's interesting right there. And you had the two sysadmins, Adam and Chris, nodding away during that. Yeah. That, to me, sounds a lot like... Um, I'm cynical of new brands, which is exactly what we were saying. You know, I don't trust new brands because I, no one's proved to me that they're going to work. I'd rather stick with the tried and trusted stuff that I know. Which, but that, that's exactly what we said his admins were like. I mean, it wasn't necessarily uh, denigrating what you do. But well, I think you were denigrating. What, what, you were definitely okay, denigrating. Okay, yeah, it was denigrating. <laughs> but there, I mean, he says, um, I don't think his admins are, uh, are cynical of brands, and then goes on to describe how he's cynical of brands. <laughs> It's not, you know, no, it's not, we're not cynical of brands. That's what he's saying. He's not. It's not the brand that's the problem. It's the fact that it's untried and tested. It could be anything. It could so, be brand. So it could be not a brand. It doesn't. You know. I think he's basically just saying you have to be careful. It doesn't matter who it's from. I, I think yeah. the difference is you, you, you can divide everything into. You divide all the service stuff into three categories. Really, there's the tried and trusted stuff that you use. There's uh, exciting new branded stuff and exciting new unbranded stuff. And you haven't heard of any of the exciting new unbranded stuff because there's no marketing brand. So the only stuff you've heard of that you're not using is new brand stuff. That's what I mean. I'm going to leave Chris to argue with you over this one, frankly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, if you... Yeah. 
I've suffered a, a, a personal case of inertia, I'm afraid. <laughs> Don't mean to be rude. What um, the fuck are you doing over there? <laughs> Sorry, Jono's I'm just totally taking past Mr. Potato Head. In the middle of the email segment, Jono is tearing Mr. Potato Head to pieces. Because what are you doing? Uh, stuffing things up its arse. It's just a lot more interesting than what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I just figured, you know... Yeah, by the way, at this point, you can look at the email now, because there's a PS for you. Yeah. yeah. P.S. From John, I might be glad to know, I occasionally span a whack a few um, Ubuntu Hardy servers, and they perform admirably. So, well done. Good man. You may put away Mr. Potato Head you, and proceed you, with you, the next you, email, you, you, you missed a bit where he doesn't use any of them, though, because they're new. Hmm? <sighs> <laughs> next email. Oh, that might be the last email by the look of it. It is the last email. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think the cynicism and brands thing is interesting. Well, it was interesting back in that show. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, nothing's changed on the Lug Radio team, from what I can tell. We uh, Ak and I still have I'm our still opinion, wrong, yes. and and the the two losers in the corner still have still their opinions. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're Easy. out of emails. I think we should talk about Lug Radio Live. Briefly, yes. Uh, Radio Live is next weekend. It's nineteenth, twentieth of July. When you listen to it, it's this Saturday. Yes. Yes. So uh, Saturday and Sunday. Now we should note a few times because uh, we haven't particularly publicised the um, the parties and what's going right. on so yep. much. So on the Friday night in the Hogshead on Stafford on Stafford Street or Stafford Road, one of the two in Central Wolverhampton, um, is going to be the Lug Radio party or the pre-party, which is at seven thirty p.m. Get into the Hogshead. You'll see a bunch of. Uh, you'll spot the bad hair from a mile off. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So you'll see. You know, often we're out the back in the courtyard to the yes, uh, go to the back and do it. Go to the right hand so side. So come and come and hang out with us. And then yeah. on the Saturday, the event Sat- kicks off at ten yeah. thirty in the morning. Uh, doors open at roughly ten thirty. They might open a little bit before that. The lighthouse in Wolverhampton on Friar Street, um, and then. Importantly, Lug Radio Live and Unleashed, the very, very last episode of Lug Radio, is going to be recorded at 5 p.m. on the, on the Saturday. Um, and then we'll kick you out after that show, and then we're going to have a party that kicks off at 8 o'clock, where I believe there's going to be a DJ and possibly, I've heard rumours of karaoke. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, that's going to be at the Lighthouse so as well. If you come to... anyway, you know, despite the karaoke. Yep, uh, uh, you know, I mean, despite the fact we'll have um, Jono being rather drunk and then singing I Am The One And Only by Chesney Hawks, you should come <laughs> along regardless, and he, he, he tries to deny it and fails. <laughs> I... <laughs> Anyway, um, <laughs> but anyway, all the stuff about how to actually get to the Hogshead and how to get to the Lighthouse is on the Lug Radio Live UK website, which yep. is lugradiolive.org yep. forward slash... What? Lugradiolive.org. What the fuck am I on about? <laughs> lugradio.org forward slash live. And if you then click the travel tab, you will see the travel shit. Yes, and, and also the, there's going to be loads of stuff on the Sunday as well, which kicks off at, again half past ten um, or possibly eleven o'clock, depending on which way you look at it. Um, <laughs> you'll be allowed to bed. Um... <laughs> And there's usually an informal get-together on the Sunday night um, as yep. well somewhere, which will... We've also got... There's a LAN gaming competition. Yep. There is. The, the yep. bike marker running, um, which is quite cool, I think. Yeah, they're bringing quite an impressive-sounding gaming rig. Yes. And they will be providing PCs for you to use... And if th- you don't have a machine with you, they've got they've got competitions during the day, and uh, I understand for Matt Block at Bike Mark there will be prizes. All right, okay. Prizes, prizes, prizes. There will be prizes. Hello, dear. How are we doing? So, <laughs> if there's a PC there for you to use, if you don't have a laptop, if you do have a lop- laptop, a laptop, uh, laptop, laptop, you, you will be able to just walk up and plug in and join in. I forget which games they're playing off the top of my head, which is a bit shit because we probably should have announced it in this show. Nethack. BZ. No, it's not. Oh, no, I've been it's killed by uh, Asterix. <laughs> um, Gong Thong. 
Gong Thong is happening as well. Yes. You so may be surprised at who's going to be uh, <laughs> in the film. <laughs> we are surprised at who's going to be in the film. At this point, yeah. You have to wait and see. But, yes, um, come along with um, a five-minute talk prepared in your head. We and, will, then, and then we'll put you up on stage and make you talk about it. We'll probably have somewhere for you to write this talk down so that we know about it when it comes for putting a man in a thong yeah. and calling you up onto the stage. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that the whole... I should have turned my phone off, shouldn't I? <laughs> yes. uh, the other thing is that the whole shebang costs just a fiver. So yes. come turn along, up. and you're also going to get a nutsack with some free goodies. Um, there's, there's no pre-registration. Just turn up on the door yep. uh, Saturday morning with your fiver. Um, or Saturday afternoon, if you insist on missing the first couple of talks. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be, and the, of course, the other thing to remember is that it's yeah. I said earlier on, it's the last, it's the last ever show. So yeah, uh, it is last ever show. It's, of Lug Radio. It's, you know, we've got a lot of the regulars from the Lug Radio community coming along. Um, it's going to be, be a bit of a party, basically. Yeah, it? it's going to be, it's going to be nice to go out with a, you know, with all of our friends. Yeah. So there, um, there is one other thing I would like to say at this point, which is that um, we've had loads of artwork done for Lug Radio Live. We had the yeah. programmes and we had badges and loads of other things and that was all done by Mike Evans and I would like to say thank you because I keep rushing stuff over to him and say, Mike, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And he has accepted it all with uh, the greatest equanimity. So thank you very much, Mike. Um, we applaud you absolutely. I also want to say a big thank you to Mike because he's also helped me with all the Severed Fifth stuff while he's been doing the, the Lug Radio stuff as well. So he's not just been he helping out with Lug Radio. Very, very he's really, helped, yeah, he's yeah, really he helped an awful lot with the stuff that we've been doing. So... Uh, didn't he do the the uh, logradio.org website layout as well? He did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, he's... Basically, anything art-related. Any, anything any at all art-related has been done by Mike, and he is superb, and he deserves a round of applause and all of your thanks. Yes. Uh, and he's not coming. We were hoping we'd buy... Right, okay. <laughs> we are hoping we'd get everyone in the building to buy him a beer, and then he can't make it. Yes, yes. I'd also might like to make a small nugget of advertising, which is not something we commonly do. New business. Like, this is your new business. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> like, Sweetviagra.com. No, shut your face. <laughs> Um, Sourviagra.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd like to say thank you to Matt Block from Bytemark, who is obviously sponsoring the event, as are Linux Magazine, and so are Efficient PC. Efficient PC. Yes. So yes. thank you, Matt Block. Thank you, Dale from Efficient. And thanks, Hans Jörg. That's a £4.50 name he's got, isn't it? <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? Hans Jörg. Hans it's just Jörg. brilliant. Um, it sounds incredibly metal, doesn't it? And also thanks to Laura and Tony, who have been yes. recording us today, videoing us today. Hello. Hello. Say hello. 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 This is the internet's Tony Whitmore uh, Famous these days for the Ubuntu UK podcast We love the Ubuntu. In fact Laura from the Ubuntu UK podcast Yeah Yeah Jono loves the Ubuntu UK podcast We have had quite a few people asking us if you know, In the light of Log Radio finishing We're going to uh, sacrifice our beliefs and, and our stance to kind of steal what's left of your market share that will be drifting across. We're not going to do that. <laughs> Although we have decided to rename as the Ubuntu UK fucking community podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, bacon is owned by Tony. Live on <laughs> hey, that's the way it works. So, winner. Right, uh, yeah. so, yeah. are we done? I think we are. It's going to be weird not being... This is the last one in this room, you know. It is. This but, room has been... Uh, Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> this room has been knee, knee deep for, for four years. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. This room is, we've spent a lot of time in this room. Today. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> naked. Uh, naked. How many studios have we been? Just two. 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 I have to point out that, that the walls used to be white, now they're brown. <laughs> not that bad. It's disgusting. It's in not here. that bad. It's disgusting because of Adam. 
It's not like, disgusting what? because Sorry. of Adam. I, I'd like to draw your attention to this, uh, uh, several occasions where we've actually had to open the windows because of you, <laughs> Jonathan Bacon. Not, not least of which the fact you that... You are one to talk, Adam. Well, I don't do it in the studio commonly, though. Not, not the, least difference, <laughs> the difference is, is that most people, Adam Sweet, is that when they feel that they have uh, some kind of... I um, don't believe this is something the listeners need to, to hear about. Some kind of flatulence... Well, you started it, Shit. right? Some kind of flatulence problem. Adam decides that it's all in the presentation, that we need some kind of maybe some kind of dance and and he literally kicks it out yeah, I've did. actually seen there's actually been times when he's done a Billy Elliot style jump <laughs> to shake it out so anyway this has been uh, the, unfortunately the last episode of Lug Radio that's going to be recorded in this studio in this studio but yes. not, obviously not the last ep- episode of Lug Radio the because ever. the next <laughs> <laughs> looks over. we're not even having this <laughs> fight again why right? not this is the last ordinary episode of Lug Radio which I assume you would agree with yes so let's leave it at that. Hang on a second. Was that Ak actually trying to uh, agree to disagree? As opposed to pulling your head really into the desk. Today. Has somebody replaced you? Is he being replaced with a robot or something? Personality is completely changed. See if I ever try mediating for you lot again. It's not. It's, it's this is the, the last episode of Lug Radio. <laughs> Next weekend is Lug Radio Live. We will see you there. Jono, shut up. 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 You're always wrong. Shut up. Right. It's this new Web 2.0 friends. Apart from people who are coming to Lug Radio Live, gang, that was it. That was us. Thank you very much. It's been emotional. Uh, it's been more than emotional. It's been something I did. It's been, re- <laughs> <laughs> it's been something I did every other Wednesday. You know what, right? Who was it who decided to get him on the show? <laughs> I don't remember actually wanting him on the show. Well, it was you who rang me up. I think I Jono. picked the short straw, to be honest with you. Yeah, he did. Actually. He really was the best. I, if lads. you didn't want me, you didn't have to ring me and ask me. Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought we cancelled it. <laughs> yeah, because we asked Hans Reiser first. But <laughs> you know, well, he couldn't make it. Among, <laughs> among other things, he really dug the show. <laughs> oh, dear me. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Instantrimshot.com. Why are you there? I don't oh, think no, I'm going to go to that website. No, no, it's funnier than you'd think it is. It's it's not... No, I'm not going to say that either. Right, we, right. Pro- we probably ought to shut up and yeah. fuck off for, <laughs> for the last time. All right, we'll okay. see you at Look Radio Live. If you don't see you there, you. Yep. enjoy the Linux Action Show. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy Linux Outlaws. Well, well, Linux Outlaws with Dirk Schnurkelberger and, and, and Rob's and that Dan Hubcap Thief, whatever his name is. They're actually going to be at like Radio Live. I've, yeah. Got, yeah, I've got looking forward to that, although possibly not looking forward to bringing my car there. What's the website with all the great big list of podcasts on Linux? That's Podcast. Linux Link Tech Show. No, it's not Linux Link Tech Show. Anything. It's, it's TLLTS. Linux Link.net, is it? Uh, it's, it's either the Linux Link.net or TLLTS.info, but I think they're linked that from Linux one to the other. Link. So. Linux don't Linux. take Link. the piss out of the Linux They're Link. Linux Link. <laughs> the Linux Link. So, I mean, you've got them and Linux Outlaws and Linux Link Tech Show. And Ubuntu and, UK. And Ubuntu UK. Yes, wave, Tony and Laura. Because <laughs> everyone this... can see. No Fedora UK, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> there is a KDE podcast. Is that? Yeah, there is. So all your, is that a podcast? All you KDE complainers can go and listen to yourselves. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, wasn't supposed to be a boot in this, but I was just saying, there is. <laughs> How is all of you KDE complainers <laughs> not going to be a boot? Well, they always complain to us, don't they? Because we always get everything wrong. So, anyway, Linux. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it Linux Link, Tony? Because Tony was nodding at yeah, me. Linux Link.net. Linux, is... I think it's the Linux Link.net. 
is a great big list of copies. Something will come up. <laughs> yeah, so go and listen to the shows, and uh, we'll speak to don't, you soon. Don't Google for Linux podcasts because we're still top hit for that. I think well, we actually, might not be anymore. Actually, we, we won't be. speak to you soon as well. No, I was well, just we'll, thinking we'll, that, yeah. speak we'll speak to you next week, and then we won't speak we to you again. Speak and then, yeah, well, yeah. Aren't you lucky? We should do a reunion tour. What, like Matt 10 years? Say, in 2015, we should do a reunion tour. Should we do it? For, with our Zimmer frames and that. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to break up planning to do a reunion <laughs> tour. That's not how it no. works. No, Aussie does that. <laughs> <laughs> Aussie's done now but reunion tour since like 1972. <laughs> in his defence, it's about 600 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he is his fucking Yoda with long hair, isn't he? So I, I think we've strung this out enough now. I think <laughs> right. we should probably say right. goodbye. Take care. Say goodbye. Fuck off, press stop.